Faced with an uncertain future, many business owners and technology professionals don't have the time needed to invest in their business technology strategies. And as a result, they're afraid of their technology getting outdated and putting their company and customers information at risk. The digital future is already here, but with all different choices in the marketplace, it's difficult to know which one will be the best fit for you and your strategic vision. Imagine having the peace of mind that your business is backed by the right technology investments that are tailored for your specific need. Hi, I'm Brian Nichols, and I've helped countless business owners and technology professionals just like you, helping you make informed decisions about what technologies are best to invest in for your business. Voice, bandwidth, cybersecurity, business continuity, juggling all the aspects of business technology is messy. Let me help. Head to briannicholsshow.com forward slash help and sign up for a free one-on-one -on -one consultation with yours truly to dig deep into where you see your company heading and how we can align your business technology towards those goals. Again, that's briannicholsshow.com forward slash help to get your simplified business technology started today. Victor Antonio, welcome to the program. Selling is all about, really, it's, we're not selling a product, you're not selling a service, you're not selling value, you're not selling whatever you think you're selling, a solution. You're selling change. Welcome to The Brian Nichols Show, your source for common sense politics on the We Are Libertarians Network. As a sales and marketing executive in the greater telecommunications cybersecurity industry, Brian works with C-level executives to help them future-proof their company's infrastructure for an uncertain future. And in each episode, Brian takes that experience and applies it to the liberty movement. This is why we talk about being the trusted advisor. You should be able to help use that expert guidance and all the opinions that I'm sure that you have and help lead them towards not just a decision, but the right decision. Instead of focusing on simply winning arguments or being right, we're teaching the basic fundamentals of sales and their application in the world of politics, showing you how to ask better questions, tell better stories, and ultimately change people's minds. And now, your host, Brian Nichols. Hello and welcome everyone to another episode of Whose Show Is It Anyway? Is it Free America Now with Eric Brakey? If it was, it would be episode 79, by the way. Or is it the Brian Nichols Show with Brian Nichols? I don't know. I think we're just going to do the show and let you decide. Hey, Brian, thanks for hey. co-hosting with me today. Eric, yeah, I think it's episode like 420 three, four of my episodes there. So yeah, who shows it anyway? Up to do. I, 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 well, hey, you're, you're already on the right track. You're doing five days a week now? Yeah, I got to catch up. <sighs> you're certainly going to catch up pretty darn quick if you're, you're going to keep up with that pace. I thought I, I had to go try to catch up to Tom Woods doing seven days a week. I've been trying to, <laughs> to do that. And, and that's been rigorous here over the past few weeks, trying to juggle moving and then holidays. And, and it's just, you know, that and everybody around me, plus myself and I think everybody we know getting sick. Uh, so yeah, it's just been it's been a lot of fun here uh, across the past few months. So yeah, how are you, my friend? By the way, Happy New Year's. Happy New Year's to you. I'm doing well. I am back home in Maine, which I got to tell you, I've been in Texas for you know mostly in Texas for the last year, working with Young Americans for Liberty. Still working with Young Americans for Liberty. Obviously, the show is a Young Americans for Liberty production, but uh, I get to be home. I've been homesick so much. You don't even know. Nobody no. If if only those who have lived in Maine and then had to leave Maine for a period of time can understand that kind of Maine homesickness that you get from from leaving our beautiful state here. So I'm so glad to be home, and I'm going to be able to be full time in Maine next year. So I'm anyway. I'm looking forward to 2022. And happy New Year to you. Happy New Year to all our listeners. And you've been making some big moves yourself. 
yeah, we're uh, we're gonna be heading out to Indiana, setting up shop out there. the uh, The day job has been doing very, very well. My sales team has been absolutely killing. You know, sometimes you have to take a step back and and look and really appreciate the things you're able to accomplish. And one thing I've been able to really appreciate what I've been able to accomplish the past few years is that my team went from not existing in at the end of 2018 to being hired in the spring of 2019 to now helping contribute to 40. 3% of my entire company's revenue. Um, and that just blew me away to see that we were able to have that much success. And and that actually opened the doors to taking over a Midwest territory as we are growing in size. So yeah, it's just been exciting in the personal front from the show, uh, you know, being able to really dig into the sales and marketing world of bringing the ideas that we, we talk about all the time and we care a lot about, but bring it to your average person and we're going to be bringing that up to an 11, Eric. And I'm so excited because I know we're going to be doing a lot of work with people uh, across the board, both in the greater Liberty world, uh, in the LP, but also uh, in, in the greater you know GOP world. We have friends, our friend like Kenny Cody, Cock County GOP chair, uh, who's doing a lot of work here on the network with his Cody's Concern segment. And then obviously, who shows in any way? Well, you know, having our conversations with you and the Young Americans for Liberty crew, you guys have been doing phenomenal work. I'm looking forward to uh, reconnecting, hopefully, in 2022 as well with you guys live. Do you have any events in person getting ready for planning uh, next year we can look forward to? Oh, well, um, I know, I know I'm, that I'm already asking before we even get to 2022, <laughs> but I, I, I gotta know. I mean, Young Americans for Liberty always does an amazing national convention every single year. This last one, Revolution 2021, was. I think the best we've ever done. We missed our convention in 2020. This was the only year that it was ever missed because of the COVID bureaucrats shutting us in down Dallas, 72 right? hours notice. Yeah. In Dallas. I think How we're still suing they? them. Good. If I'm not wrong. Um, but yeah, no, uh, our 2022 is going to be such a big year for young Americans for Liberty because it is the year that we, uh, have to put up or shut up. We said, we're going to elect 250 Liberty legislators to state capitals across the country by 2022. And we're well, we're well ahead of schedule. I mean, <laughs> when this when this was this, when this when this number was thrown out there, 250 state legislators, Ron Paul style Liberty legislators elected to the state capitals. Uh, there were maybe like. A dozen Right. In the country, if you're being really generous on, you know, what you count as a Ron Paul, like Liberty legislator. And now we're at like over 180. And just with the the political momentum right now going into the new year, it's going to be it's looking like it's going to be a very bad year for Democrats because of just the insanity that they shoved down the throats of the American people uh, under the Biden administration and, and Democrat control of Washington and many of the states. And so there's going to be a red wave. The open question, though, is what kind of red wave are we going to have? What kind of Republican candidates are we going to have? Are we going to have Liberty Republicans or are we going to have more neocon retreads? So we got a lot of work to do in the Republican primaries to make sure we've got strong Liberty candidates running to ride that red wave into office to make more advancements for Liberty. I mean, constitutional carries already been passing across the country. But I think the next and that's going to continue. But the next big fight in the states is is going to be school choice. And yep. that is an opportunity for the liberty movement to lead. So I am excited for 2022 and looking forward to uh, putting 2021 in the rearview mirror, though there were many good things this year and bad things. We'll be talking about them both today. 
on our New Year's episode. For sure. And um, I'm I'm definitely, you know, looking forward to next year's conversation about school choice, because that's a conversation we not only will win, we are winning. And that's oh, yeah, that's something we need to really take to the ballot box that when, when you talk to parents and you go after their kids like that is that is like the, the moment that parents will turn off like they, they they can almost throw a lot of principles to the side and be like no you're, you're impacting my kids whatever i personally believe now you're hurting my child and let's have that conversation because parents who have seen the benefits of having school choice in their their kids lives right now to tell them that they wouldn't have that option going forward they would lose their mind so let's tell those stories of the, the value of what we've seen from school choice and that's why it's so important i was just talking about him on my show here earlier this week, Corey DeAngelis has been doing such amazing work talking about school choice and the importance of bringing school choice to your average person. Um, I think right now, as we look to, to 2022, that being that top of mind issue, we are winning all the arguments. And, and really, it doesn't have to even be an argument because if, if you really lay down you know, what we have as the status quo solution, which is this old monopoly system on the education but versus what we are looking as a true market-based alternative where the students are the ones who are being funded versus these systems, and then the dollars would follow them, and then the parents can choose based on what's going to be the best for that child's education going forward, it really would give us a chance to revolutionize this entire uh, education system. And I think that right there, to change how we approach government schooling, is going to help us really set the, the path forward to change yeah. how we have these conversations. because. It has been so often that it's it's so polarized on left, right, you know, red team, blue team. If we can go more towards the issues and, and really focus on the impact of those issues, which I know that's what we're going to talk about today, is the impact of the really top of mind issues that we've seen here in 2021 and how we did in having these conversations, but also what we could have done better and what we can learn when we look at that going into 2022 and having some of these tough conversations because got Eric, we don't even know, right? I mean, we're recording this here on new year's, new year's Eve. Like what's good. What's, what's going to happen in, in 2020 I, I, or 2022. I just saw a thing and it said, you want to feel old. And it was like, um, it was, uh, Oh, the, uh, the, the boat that got stuck in the, the canal that was only like five months ago. I was like, what? And that feels like forever ago, but that's how long this year has felt. So God only knows what's going to happen here in 2022. So with that being said, Eric, you had some of the topics lined up. Uh, yeah. Where did you want to start off? Well, first of all, let me say it feels like just yesterday that we were all like so relieved that 2020 was over. The worst year in America. Everyone felt like 2020. Oh, my it's God. Done. I'm so glad it's over. Putting that it's all over. behind us. And and we got done with COVID. <laughs> we got done with r ridiculous politics. No, 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 no. It all followed us into 2020. It really did. I'm hopeful that maybe we will leave some of this behind in 2021, but I'm sure some of it's going to follow us into 2022. Uh, the um, uh, It never ends. All right. So the first topic. So uh, for the audience listening, Brian and I were, were kind of discussing how we want to approach this episode. And we thought, you know, being New Year's Day, maybe be valuable to look at some of the major stories, major issues that took place over the course of this past year. Uh, and Brian, being someone who's got kind of a uh, a sales and marketing perspective on things, it's an interesting question of, you know, these major issues, not only were they major, but how did the liberty movement message on them? Was it effective? Could it have been more effective? 
So we're going to analyze some of this and also larger implications for some of these, you know, other thoughts on some of these issues as well. I, you know, I'd also, I, I'm going to throw this at Brian. Uh, I'd also love, you know, in discussing these issues, maybe we make some predictions for what we expect <laughs> uh, around around these stories in the new year. If uh, these issues are going to continue to plague us, uh, how they're going to change and all that. So the first story is vaccine mandates. Yep. Now, if we roll the clock all the way back, the calendar all the way back to 2020, I think if I remember right, Joe Biden was on that presidential debate stage. Oh, there will never be. He will never mandate vaccines. That's unnecessary. He didn't tell us until his patience wore thin and suddenly uh, we are millions of Americans are threatened Get the jab or lose your job. Get fired. We're not just talking about government employees. We are talking about private sector employees working for private companies who the government does not pay their paycheck. And yet the government is coming in and saying, get the jab or else. All this, despite the fact that there have been multiple studies now that demonstrate and there's a growing scientific consensus now that the vaccines are effective for protecting, conferring individual protection against severe cases of uh, early variants of the coronavirus. New variants come about, and there's always a big question on, on on all that there. But when it came to transmission and infection rates, the vaccines didn't really make much of a dent. And so, as Dr. Jay Bhattacharya said, this is a matter of personal health, not public health. And yet, big government had came in under Joe Biden and said, get the vax or else you lose your job. And increasingly, we're seeing vaccine passports programs come up in many states and cities, including New York City, where ch- uh, children even cannot go. Uh, you can't go to a restaurant. You cannot go to many uh, public uh, places of public accommodation if you do not show your medical papers confirming that you have received the vaccine. All right, Brian. What do you make of all this? And in the f- in the face of the vaccine mandates this year, how do you think libertarians did on their messaging? Did they do well? Could they have done better? Vaccine mandates, Eric, has been, and I think you know, going to the predictions. I don't mean to spoiler alert anything here for the end of the episode. But the vaccine mandates, I think, will continue to be one of the top of mind conversations that we will be having as a society, especially heading into 2022. I mean, if I were to go into Philadelphia on Monday, January 3rd, you're going to see all of a sudden probably around half of the the people that have not been vaccinated being told, no, you cannot go into a a place of or a place of business now to sit down and have a meal because all of a sudden you are are no longer able to sit down because you're not vaccinated. So that's going to be happening, not just in Philadelphia, but a lot of the other cities you've already aforementioned there. And um, I I think we as libertarians, you know, we, we we have two kind of camps. We have the the useful idiot libertarian camps, and then the ones who have been you know, absolutely phenomenal on this issue. In the useful idiot camps, and, and I'm, I, I say that very tongue in cheek, obviously, but I'm tired of hearing the excusing for government mandates, especially when it comes to something as important as individual autonomy. And, and we're having forced vaccinations to say that you you just have a job. What? what what kind of society is this? Um, so I would say when it comes to the libertarians who have actually stood firm, 
that maybe has been the best in terms of libertarian messaging from the onset. And here's why, Eric, because and this is when you look at sales in general, one of the underlying principles people are always looking for beyond the no like and trust adds into this this trust factor it is authenticity this is something that ron paul really exemplified and this is why the the ron paul was right hashtag was trending there uh, for many times as we've gone throughout the past year because when people it seems came, like every month there's a new thing that ron paul was right on <laughs> absolutely absolutely and that's and that's to the testament of why it's so important to be so vocal and and really persistent when even though sometimes it feels like we can be annoying when it is a top of mind issue and we are absolutely leading with the best solution in response to what's happening we have an obligation to go out of our way to make sure that we're bringing that to the the forefront as the alternative because when the time comes that all of a sudden people start to open their eyes as is happening right now we now have an entire treasure trove of us consistently being correct on these issues from the beginning. And it's not the people who have already bought the, the you know, the COVID um, hysteria, the COVID mandate propaganda. That's not the people we're going after. It's the person who said, okay, I got my first jab. I got my second jab. I didn't want to lose my job. Now I'm being told I have to have a third jab and I might have to get a fourth jab. Also, I have to show papers to go eat at a restaurant and they're a little weirded out. That's the person that who's they're looking for maybe a little bit different of a solution because they're weirded out. That's who we should be talking to. And and that's why when the time comes that they're saying, okay, why should I trust you? Why, why, why do I look at you as someone who I know is going to have the right answer to say, listen, I, I might not always have the right answer, but on this issue, based on the principles that we believe, here's where we've not only been right on this issue, but we've been consistently correct and right on this issue. And unfortunately, where we have predicted what was going to be happening. There was actually a, a post in a Reddit group. I forget. it was. I think it was a more left-leaning um, Reddit thread. And in the thread, someone had posted that, you know, hey, I, I, we made fun of these, these, you know, anti-lockdowners because they were doom, doom predicting all these different worst case scenarios. And now all the things that they pretty much said are coming true. And that means a lot because that once you, you, once you see it, you can't unsee it. That's another principle we talk about in sales. Once the person that you're, you're, you're speaking to your prospect kind of has that revelation on their own. It's it's not even you helping make the sale. In that world, you've helped them make the sale themselves, and it just makes sense. We're in that process right now of people figuring things out and things starting to make sense. And now it's on us to kind of help move them forward. So that's why on the vaccine mandates, I would say the non-useful idiot libertarians, they have done consistently well in messaging this. But to the useful idiot libertarians out there, please stop. Like if you're not going to be on, on you know, team personal choice, team pro liberty, stop, don't stop, like stop at least siding with us and in, in taking down what we're standing and trying to articulate as a true libertarian principled response. There, I'm just, I, I don't think we're at a point right now where we can even have that conversation. Like if we want to have like the academic hoity toity conversation and there are those who want to go have that, go have that. But that's not what your average person is looking to have. They want to see what can you do for me right now in my life based on what's happening in my immediate circles, not in some ivory towers, in some academic you know, institution. 
Let me ask you, so prediction for 2022. Do you think that we're going to have to show proof of vaccination to fly it on an airplane? Uh, if if that happens, Eric, it's it's red wave. It's turning into a tsunami because that will that will infuriate. Like not not just like motivate. It will infuriate voters across the board. There are voters out there because especially if, if the the definition of what it means to be vaccinated keeps on changing. There are Democrats who will will just lose their mind because it's it's a step too far. I'm hearing of Democrats in my circles that I talk to that are I'm friends with and they're they're like, yeah, this this is this is too much. Like I was on board with, you know, because we didn't know it was going on. But like what we're, we're like yeah. shutting down society again. And it looks like this next variant is a cold. What? <laughs> like, why? Why are we doing this? We, we can look at data. We can read data. We can look at what's happening in South Africa. I mean, for goodness sakes, Eric, if we look at why did we react the way we did back in 2020, it was because what was happening over in Europe. And that was because of what was happening in China. We watched China locking down. We watched Italy locking down. We saw the, the you know, the caskets on caskets on caskets. And that was the reason that we reacted in such a way that we did. And and I mean, that that kind of speaks to the importance of us making sure that we are standing firm on these issues, because if if we had if we had been wishy washy, right, and we hadn't been firm on our convictions, then this wouldn't even be a conversation that we'd be having a chance to stand against. It would be a situation like in Australia or like in New Zealand where people just you know get walked over because it really the populist has, has not really had the idea of personal liberty. I had a gentleman on my show who, who actually lives down in Australia talking about his experience right now and how part of the problem isn't just the government. It's trying to overcome your average person who's just so apathetic. They're like, just follow orders, dude. And he's like, don't you get it? This is more than just, you know, doing what you're told. There, there's there's a, a personal liberty that's at stake once you, you sacrifice your personal autonomy to some bureaucratic entity that's siding with some pharmaceutical company. I mean, I'm sorry, like that at that point. There's no longer some you know, moral argument at behest of the government. So going back to your original question, if they do do this, Eric, I, I think it's just going to be an absolute bloodbath at, at the ballot box because yeah. your average person just won't stand for it. And if they do, I, I mean, yeah. I, I I don't know. I, I think uh, I think we would see a really, really like Tea Party wave, but like maybe plus another 20 seats. Maybe I, you know, I would be I surprised. I, I hope you're right that the people do to kind of turn against these policies. And I do think we do see some reasons to believe that that is starting to take place. Um, I, I worry, I worry just how far the Biden administration will take this, though, because when you look at polling, I mean, he's 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 doing he's very unpopular on with everything, with, with on everything. Yeah, on everything. Uh, inflation, like majority of Democrats are against like uh, him, him there. People blame him for the war in Afghanistan. People don't like his vaccine policies, but also comparatively to the other things, 
It's like his vaccine policies pull better than the other things. So it seems it seems to me that the Biden administration is kind of in this position. It's like, all right, well, this is the this we do marginally, you know, we, we get we galvanize marginally more support when we focus on being just terrible and draconian when it comes to covid policies. So let's keep doubling down on that and well, forget about sells. inflation and forget about supply chains and forget about foreign policy. Fear sells, though, Eric. That's the that's the thing. And and you have in this situation an entire corporate media entity behind the Biden administration getting people amped up. Have you noticed how that over the past few months they're no longer really tracking hospitalizations and deaths on the this like the CNN MSNBC tickers? It's it's cases. Why that change? What where, where, did they do? They explain is is there any you know rationalization there yeah. on behest of these? three-letter organizations of why they're changing the way that they report this information? Of course not. And you know it's, I think it's entirely were, people scared. I mean, there, I think uh, for a long time, maybe they're reporting on the hospitalizations and deaths less, but for a long time, I've seen this obsession with cases. But cases could be someone tests positive and ends up with no symptoms and just a case of the sniffles, or it's someone ends up in the hospital. Cases doesn't tell you the difference between those two things. Or, and I, or as Rochelle Lewinsky just admitted there back on uh, on Wednesday, that if you took a PCR test, that you could actually have a positive PCR test. Are you ready for this, Eric? Up I to heard. three months afterwards and show a false positive. Three months. So let's now let's just think of the the ramifications of that. Number one, not even the ramification, just a reality. There's no way that they're just figuring this out. There's absolutely no way. Number like the actual though number one like ramification though. Think of how many people were asymptomatic and then tested air quotes positive right down the road and then retested and were counted twice in in testing or people who have been sitting and showing false positives, but we're actually not sick there. We have, I mean, right yeah. now there are going to be millions of people who have been impacted by this and they probably didn't even realize it with a false positive just by the very nature that this is how the PCR tests themselves actually work. Um, and I mean, of course we're not allowed to have conversations about this because we just had the, the guy who actually made the M, uh, the MRNA vaccine on Twitter get banned. Yeah, he was uh, one of the inventors of it banned because he was warning and I, I saw some interviews with him early on. He was warning that, uh, against the over-reliance on the MRNA vaccines, which he says was a useful invention and valuable, but it was not the silver bullet that so many wanted it to be. And in fact, he was talking about the danger of overutilizing these mRNA vaccines in those who are at low risk and creating a situation like the overuse of antibiotics yep. where you cause variants to emerge that are resistant to the vaccine because you know, the vaccine just attacks one part, protects you from one part of the virus. And so it's going to create a situation where through natural selection, the virus will, uh, uh, you know, have cause to mutate to rely less on that one, that one single, the spike protein aspect of the virus. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, I, I think though, Eric, that this is going to be, this is still going to be one of those top of mind issues though, going into 2022. So, I mean, that, that's why I I'm glad we led with this issue, but also that's why I think it's so important, you know, libertarian, yeah. liberty oriented, whatever you identify as, if you are, against the lockdowns, you're against the mandates. It's important that you continue to be consistent 
on talking about these issues specifically to the people who are asking questions about it, people who are looking for alternatives, people who are saying, this doesn't make sense. Go talk to them because that's the person who we want to reach out to and show that there's a different path forward and that, hey, you can trust us because we have a treasure trove of evidence that we've been documenting over the past two years, essentially, that reaffirms why we've been arguing what we've been arguing. I mean, this is why we do what we do, because when the time comes that people start to look for other alternatives, we need to be there saying, hey, we're here and we're here to help. We're not the government. We're here to help. We're, we're, we're the Liberty folk and we're here to help. <laughs> and I will say I, I one thing that does give me some optimism about this going into the new year is the acknowledge the increasing acknowledgement that covid is not going away. Yeah, something that we're just going to have to live with. I think that there have been many people kind of living under this illusion that has been driven very much by the media, by the political establishment that we were somehow going to get to COVID zero, that COVID was yeah. going to disappear, that if we just all locked ourselves in our homes and stayed inside long enough, COVID would just go away. And maybe hypothetically, if you really could get everyone in the entire world to stay in their homes for 15 days, like for an extended period of time, and you know, maybe, maybe that would work, but it's kind of like communism. Like, you can say it works well on paper all you want, but at the end of the day, it's like it defies human nature. If your plan requires all the billions of people in the world to all comply with a policy that forces that requires them to lock themselves in in their home and and avoid all human contact for like weeks on end, I call that a bad plan. You know, just me. I mean, I think on the face of it, I mean, if if even just a small handful of people don't go along with the plan, your plan doesn't work. It, it's it was ridiculous from the get go, and yet in our our moment of fear, these politicians and these uh, these just um, opportunists, power seeking opportunists in our government, played upon our fears to uh, to establish powers for themselves that they wanted for a very long time, and it's our responsibility. I wish we had not gone so far down this road, but we have got to fight back in 2022 with the midterm elections, with Congress being up for grabs. And what I'm more interested in, the state legislatures being up for grabs, because I think that's where the real power in America is, not in Congress. It's in the states. Uh, I think we could have a very, very interesting opportunity to fight back next year. And oh stop yeah, all we're, we're seeing it. I mean, we're seeing the importance of the states. I mean, that's why it's so important that Yal's doing what you guys are doing. Um, you know, making liberty win, especially at those state and local elections. But hey, I'm gonna go to our next. Uh, I mean, I was yeah, thinking of fear. I was thinking of fear. I don't know about you, but my my instant thought of fear was was what we've had over the past twenty years, and that was just this insane, fearful foreign policy. You want to go that route? Yeah, let's talk about it because, of course, this was a very significant year. The longest war in American history, the war in Afghanistan, appears to have come to an end. Um, Many of us feel that it probably should have ended, could have ended 19 years ago in 2001. I guess 20 years ago, like you could have, you know, as Scott Horton has pointed out in his book, Time to End the War in Afghanistan, there were multiple opportunities to catch bin Laden in 2001. The political establishment at the time didn't seem that interesting catching bin Laden. They let him escape across the border into Pakistan. They continued their war in Afghanistan for 20 years. The uh, the Afghanistan papers were released showing that 
the highest ranking officials in the U.S. government and the U.S. military had no idea at any point throughout the entire war what victory looked like. There were no clear victory conditions. There was no clear mission. You ask our soldiers returning home over the course of 20 years, they didn't know what the mission was. Nobody knew what the mission was. Nobody knew what the exit strategy was. But the war, in a lot of ways, accomplished what it set out to accomplish. It made a lot of money for the military-industrial complex. And it has finally come to an end, a disastrous end, one that was very poorly planned and poorly executed by the Biden administration um, for a variety of reasons. Maybe we can get into that. But, of course, this was a bittersweet moment for those of us who've been calling for an end to war, the war in Afghanistan for 20 years. Uh, it, it is a moment that we're glad to see the troops leave, glad to see America withdraw from the country and stop trying to nation build in the graveyard of empires that bankrupted the Soviet Union and many empires, the British Empire, so many empires before ours. And glad to get out. But at the same time, it was botched tremendously, yep. leaving uh, billions of dollars in weapons behind that were taken up by the Taliban. The government that we had propped up for years just folded like a lawn chair and just handed everything over. Uh, the uh, even the just the 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 plan of withdrawal was was crazy. The airbase was shut down. Uh, so U.S. forces abandoned the uh, the was it uh, abandoned the airbase before uh, getting people out, pe leaving leaving our people on the ground reliant on um, re reliant on on the Afghan government to uh, to to get to get folks out and it became a whole mess. So, Brian, what's your take on the end of the war in Afghanistan in 2021? Uh, how libertarians communicated about it and what could have been done better? Yeah. So, Eric, one thing we talk about in, in sales is the idea of of not only overcoming objections, but blocking objections entirely. And if you were to think about one of the main criticisms, let's just look at the big L libertarians, um, you know, you, you specifically out there who, you know, why, why won't we vote for a libertarian for president? One of the main objections I hear is I don't take them seriously. What, what would you do? Like, who would you put in positions of, of the cabinet? Right. You know, and, and uh, I mean, I'm not making a point to, to poke fun at the most recent LP candidate. But, you know, when you have Alan Dershowitz as one of your top Supreme Court nominee um, selections in your list of ideas, I mean, that doesn't really come across as as very, you know, small L, even libertarian. Um, so like, your average person, if they even you know did a quick Google search of Alan Dershowitz, they'd be a little concerned that that was being floated as an idea. So going forward, let's look at what happened with Afghanistan, right? The main concern that people have had and what you just rightfully uh, brought up was just the, the means that would take place when we pulled out. And it was from from start to finish under the Biden administration completely botched. And I think that right there speaks to something that we can learn from is that we can't just go in with blind principle and and say, you know, hey, we, and, and as much as it hurts to say, we can't just say we can walk right in and walk right out because there are ve very real consequences to our just walking in. 
and in the just walking out that we will have to deal with. And I think that right there is speaking to what has been the reality. And this is really what kind of turned the the tone of the conversation about Joe Biden from a national perspective. I don't know if you noticed this, Eric. As soon as he did bring the troops back, it was the manner in which it was done that you noticed that people were just like, he, he lost that empathy battle. He used to be able to win the the kind old grandpa and it became a much more shrewd politician. And it was it, it seemed more so that he was doing this as a political maneuver than he was actually doing it out of any good faith or, or goodwill. Yeah. And I think that right there is when your average person kind of started to realize that Uncle Joe wasn't Uncle Joe, um, that he was kind of creepy, creepy Joe. And, and maybe we're kind of getting tired of this guy and, and the, the fake empathy. So what we can do better is make sure that when we're talking about these very real, very tough to talk about conversations, especially when it's foreign policy, is that we're focusing on making sure that we don't look like what just happened, that we're not going to be the people going in without a plan. We have to be able to articulate that to people that they that they're making a safe investment with their their foreign policy futures as, as Americans, as weird as that might sound, even think about your average person's been conditioned to look at the United States government as a thing that keeps them safe. So how do we help keep that mentality of safety without having it be through a government solution? You do that by empowering the individual. So I say that by saying we need to be going through and helping show people that we need to focus more on what we can do at home. And then when we're talking about the foreign policy issues abroad, we can start to bring things back uh, like from uh, overseas to home, start to you focus on the, the number of military bases we have around the world. I don't know what the number is now. I think it was in the hundreds, if not thousands um, that are out there. And you hear them in the most random of places like, hey, we still have bases in Germany. That's fun. Um, and, and start to ask why we have places like that. You know, why do we have bases in Germany? And and yeah, did Germany. Italy and Japan. We have yeah. a lot of bases in those three countries for some reason. Interesting. I mean, and this is right here too. Like it doesn't have to be an all or nothing. And I think this is where sometimes the, the pragmatic libertarians uh, get a bad rap is that they know that you have to kind of speak to your average person who doesn't want to see things go from zero to a hundred. It's uncomfortable. People like to get comfortable with status quo. That's one of the things about when you're in sales, it, it's difficult sometimes is taking somebody who wants to embrace that status quo and get them to identify that there is a problem that needs addressing, but more so it's a problem that they understand that's already there. It's just helping them in a situation that it just makes sense to address the problem. So hmm. instead of trying to force the square peg through a round hole, and in this case, I would say stop trying to go after, you know, your neocon friends, stop picking the debates with them. Like it, they've lost the argument. Anybody who, who doesn't think that just go watch the Scott Horton, Bill Crystal debate. Bill Crystal didn't have a candle to hold against Scott Horton. It you was know, well, an embarrassment. I, I do want to add something to that because one thing that I, I thought was very interesting in the, the dynamics of the messaging on all sides around the Afghanistan withdrawal. Um, if you listen to the speeches that Biden was giving, justifying the Afghanistan withdrawal, I was listening to this. And I'm like, man, he's channeling some Ron Paul here. Like it was it was kind of surprising to me. But but at the same time, he was it's like he was stealing Ron Paul's talking points <laughs> about about why we needed to get out of Afghanistan. But he's also like arguing against a straw man because the people who were criticizing him. I mean, there were some saying we should have stayed, but they were but 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 for the most part, he was being criticized 
not by people saying, well, this is why we should never have left Afghanistan. He was being criticized on the manner in which the withdrawal took place. So he's over here trying to argue why we needed to get out. And most Americans agree that we needed to get out. I think you saw some of the old neocon organizations and neocon politicians tried to opportunistically pivot this into, well, this is why we need to stay in Afghanistan forever. But the American people weren't buying it. What the American people were upset about was leaving the billions of dollars of weapons behind, leaving our people behind, just the completely... Uh, what 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 looked like a withdrawal without a plan and so i am one thing that i i I was kind of somewhat grateful for in all this was that this this um the the botched withdrawal did not seem to turn the american public back into hawks saying well this is why we got to be there why we got to invade all these countries Uh, i think it actually helped us more uh, I think it actually it, it was the even it, the opposite of that. I think it, ma- yeah. it opened more people's eyes to the the damages right. that come from war. Like it, it's real. It, the, the, and, the war sucks, dude. Yeah, and and for so many, I think the lesson that probably was taken away by some and should be taken away by everyone is how much the foreign policy establishment lied to us about Afghanistan yes. for 20 years. How many billions and billions of dollars, hundreds of billions of dollars were sunk into that country trying to prop up a government that folded like a lawn chair at the first sign of resistance. And and Eric, the, the correlation of, I mean, they, they were willing to lie through their teeth about that. And, and what are they willing to lie through their teeth about right now when we're facing a global pandemic, right? I mean, and that right there makes a lot of people, I think, also pause and rightfully so, because there are a lot of questions in terms of, wait, why are we doing this certain policy? Can you explain yeah. this again? Can you can you give us the, the reasons? And and just like with uh, with the different Middle Eastern uh, wars we've had over the past, oh, my God, 70 years, it feels like, uh, or at least been involved with in some way, shape or form. Um, there never really seems to be a real reason. It's always. You know, we have to keep the communists at bay or, or you know, we, we have to go fight terrorism, some just arbitrary term um, mm-hmm. we're going to go after. You know, and it, it, it's never it, it was never really a situation. Now, now granted, right, 9-11 is obviously the, the, the one factor there that people will always point to and rightfully so. But even then, to your point, we had the chance to get bin Laden. We didn't get right. bin Laden and we spent an extra 10 years, a decade. Where we have kids yeah. now, which it just makes me want to just cry to think that there are kids yeah. who are my sister's age who are now fighting over in Afghanistan who were who were born yeah. at the time after nine eleven. Like what yeah. is ha- what is happening? They, <laughs> what is and, happening? And, you know, you look at the history there. Yeah, they didn't want to get Bin Laden. They no. they didn't want to get him very quickly because no. they wanted Bin Laden. Bin Laden served as a very like Emmanuel Goldstein figure or like 1984. Yes. He was the great boogeyman out yes. there that they could point to and say, this is why we've got to go invade Iraq. This is why we've got to go. I mean, remember great they analogy. told us that yep. they told us that Saddam Hussein and Bin Laden had somehow collaborated on 9-11. It turned out to be just as bogus as the Russia co- collaboration between that they accused Trump of. Isn't it funny uh, how it's also from the same people too, Eric? Like it's 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 being propagated by the same exact people. Like I think that's oh, yeah. something that's come out of this they, past couple of years is people are starting to realize that when 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 there seems to be a lie coming from government, 
if you trace it back far enough, it seems to consistently be coming from the same group of people over and oh, yeah. over and they think over we're stupid. Again. Yep, they do. Absolutely. They think they we're stupid. They think that we can't see it. But what, what has changed things is in the 21st century, which has changed things, is uh, is the Internet and the fact yep. that we don't need to go around these media gatekeepers in order <laughs> to get their version of the truth. Yeah, uh, I think and, and I don't mean to I don't mean to cut you off, like, but I think that yeah. also is why there are a group of liberty folk out there who don't like the success that some other people have by going that subverted route away from the traditional mainstream media route or going through, you know, you go through your, your policy think tank route. Like that used to be how you earned your stripes. Like that was how you did it. And now people are like, you know what I'm going to do? Like, I'm going to start a podcast and I'm going to talk to people about the issues they care about. And I'm going to show how to like bring Liberty solutions to people and, and actually make people's lives better. And we're going to use that, as a means to like build an audience outside of your, your, your playground. And it drives them crazy because yeah. you can't, you can't like they had to work to go get on name the, the TV show that one time. And that was like their thing, but like that, they, they, well, they earned that. And I think that's where we're having a lot of issues too, is that people are, are kind of, like also in, in real life, right? Like the, the defer to the trust, the experts, it's like, well, they, they had to go through and earn that. And how, how dare Joe Rogan go out and have a podcast with, with, you know, a, a world renowned epidemiologist, but you know, how dare he do that? He doesn't have a show. Like he isn't, he's not Brian Stelter on CNN. He, he's not called reliable sources. You know, don't real libertarians are supposed to understand the value of creative destruction, right? <laughs> that, that, that sometimes these old institutions become entrenched and just stuck in their ways and unable to adapt to the future. And, you know, it's a good thing that they die. These yes. institutions die. And, and, and like the tallest trees in the forest getting cut down causes all sunlight to come to the smaller trees to rise up. There is uh, it's, I think it's a healthy thing to see, these cable news channels failing, the elite institutions failing. Now, it would be one thing if the elites were actually right about things, if they hadn't <laughs> lied us into 20 years of war in the Middle East, if they hadn't, I mean, geez, how many times did they lie to us about like in uh, trying to get us into a war in Syria with these uh, chemical weapons attacks that were, were, were uh, you know, it turns out reports from the UN came out were, were falsified and doctored and folks who were on the reports like, whistle blew about it i mean how many times have these elite institutions lied to us not even talking about russia gate and everything we've been through with 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 COVID over the last two years yeah people don't trust the elites it's not because we have anything wrong with the elites it's that these elites are lying to us we catch them lying to us over and over and over again and in the past there was no alternative but now there are alternatives we and got Brian they Nichols. Get, that's right they and we have, we have eric brakey and that's where they get scared because in the past, they could say, trust us. And you could say, I don't. And they would say, too bad. You have no other alternatives. Now, they say, trust us. And we say, no. And they say, yeah. Or, what, well, what are you going to do? And they're going to say, like, I'm going to go to, like, a podcast. I'm going to go to. Yeah, I'm going to listen camp. to Joe Rogan. Go to Odyssey. Did, yeah, go to Joe Rogan. This, Spotify. like, MMA Fear Factor guy, like, <laughs> is more more credible than, than you guys, CNN. What's up with that? What is up with that? Uh, like in all sincerity, um, it, it it kind of it caught me off guard. I was talking to my dad over the holiday, 
And um, I forget what we were talking about, but it was it was something in regards to the COVID you know nonsense. Yeah. And uh, he, he just kind of paused and he goes, wow, you really know a lot about this kind of stuff. Where, where do you get a lot of stuff? And I, you know, I listed off a bunch of the shows I listened to. And he goes, huh, you don't really hear a lot of this stuff on on the news. I was like, yeah, I know. Like, it's not designed to, to, to inform you. It's designed right. to scare you. Just like school wasn't designed to educate you. School was designed to make good little workers. They go out and they become yeah. office drones. It's like in the office with Steve Carell. What we are office drones. All we do is work. That's what school has been designed for you to do. Right. You're, you're, you're taught not to take risks. You're taught to, to you know, take the test and, and score the perfect score. But there has to be one right answer. There can't be multiple right answers. And, and that's something I think we're starting to see as well is that as people are kind of breaking away from these old paradigms, they're breaking away from the old corporate media, they're breaking away from the old way of doing the education, and they're looking for these new solutions. That's that's where we're having the, the success. Yeah. That's where we're winning. And this is the best part. We don't have to get like just guess that we're winning. The numbers show it. Their numbers are plummeting. They're tanking. And our numbers are just skyrocketing. I don't know about you, but I know my numbers have been going through the roof the past like few months. Just looking back, I don't know what's been going on. People are just like, yeah, I'm just tuning out of everything else and I'm going to alternative media because I'm just tired of it. If that's the case, I think you know we're we're at the precipice of a grand awakening. Yeah. Um you know, the proverbial Re white pill, Eric. Remember when we referred to these folks as the mainstream media? They're not mainstream anymore, it's, man. They're not mainstream anymore. It's the Nothing. formerly mainstream media. It's, the, yep. it's just the the corporate press. Nobody takes them seriously anymore. And and it's it's looking back on it, I wonder why we ever did. I I, I mean, when you even think about it, it's like it, when all of these complex issues and complex problems facing our country have to be boiled down into these fifteen second, thirty second sound bites. There's no actual conversation happening there. It's 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 literally it's it's just designed to brainwash people it's just designed to spread propaganda whereas i it makes sense why podcasts have taken off as such a valuable format uh, for kind of political news because people can actually get into nuance and talk about the many uh factors and 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 complicated issues involved with 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 every single problem joe rogan has become so popular because he has long conversations he's not always right but he's the first to tell you like I don't know why you're getting your political views from me. I'm just some dumb MMA guy. Like, why? Why? You know. But yeah. but he's but he doesn't treat people with contempt. He talk he talks openly with people. He he's intellectually curious. He, he's like the opposite of CNN and the corporate press. He which is you know they've become increasingly condescending, increasingly just you know self righteous, uh, and they've abandoned all journalistic integrity in the era of Trump because they have uh, decided that. It is so important now that they also, in addition to be journalists, that they be activists. Yep. And so when they're so clearly pushing a political cause, nobody nobody trusts them anymore. So this wasn't one of the topics we were going to discuss. We somehow went from Afghanistan into the corporate press. But I'm going to ask you for a prediction on the corporate press in 2022. Um, does CNN still exist at the end of 2022? Oh, they'll still exist, but they will. I think they'll have. Uh, two new owners, uh, one of which will be Nicholas Sandman. The other will be Kyle Rittenhouse. 
<laughs> with all their with all their uh, settlement money, they'll just go in buy the. They'll whole be undisclosed thing and... though. They'll they'll just be like uh, owner A and owner B. <laughs> and all, who of them, are... all of a sudden, they'll become the conservative news network, yeah. and people will be like, "What's going on with who CNN? Who are the new shadow owners of CNN, and why is Donald <laughs> Trump on this yeah, on well, this well, channel well, a lot more frequently?" Well, Brian Stelter, where did he go? They they replaced him with a uh, with, with Brian Nichols. What what happened? No. <laughs> oh, that would also, be an upgrade. Also what an upgrade. Cuomo, yeah. yeah, Cuomo's are gone. Yeah, yeah. All, all, who else is gone now at CNN? Didn't they lose like two or three producers because they were all? Uh, uh, yeah, there was something gross, that came up. Uh, yeah, I didn't. I didn't really look guys. into all that. I don't know what the truth is, so I don't want to like, uh, um, uh, you know throw allegations around but i did hear something about like yeah there's some some child Get your stuff together cnn ew yeah yeah these are the i mean <laughs> you don't want to get in like there's so many things that have gone on like behind the scenes and all of these and it's not just like cable news like geez if you hear some of the, the stories about what went on behind the scenes at like nickelodeon oh like, yeah yeah it, yeah, like it, the it Dan is, Schneider it, stuff and the Dan, oh yeah, yeah, the, the Dan Schneider stuff. My my wife is like <laughs> tells me all about it. But it's like to think that there are all, like, all of these powerful people and all of these corporate institutions that putting out these products that are just consumed by people on a you know across the country, and there's just this dark underbelly of just terrible sexual abuse going on in these I mean Eric we didn't even touch on it but I mean like the trial just wrapped up with a uh, Glazane Maxwell and like the five out of the six being found guilty but I mean then they seal her little black book so like nobody can see it and it's all those rich gross yeah. individuals are being kept sealed up on purpose yeah it's you know, insane this it's this wild. was my biggest fear, and uh, and I know we want to get into our last topic before. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> but this was my biggest fear with all of that was that uh, Maxwell would just be the fall guy. Yep. Uh, and, and that's, what be she the, ha- that's what happened. Right. Yeah. She, she'd be the scapegoat. Yep. Not to say that she's not guilty. She's certainly guilty and deserves whatever's coming to her. Right. But that... Uh, but that there are so many who would like to have her convicted and just have it go away. Yep. But stop talking about it. Justice is served. Maxwell's going to jail and she's Next. serving time. And Next. it's like, all right, now let's forget all this ever happened. Don't ask about Bill Clinton in the Monica Willinsky blue dress. Don't ask about all the flights uh, to, uh, that was to Jeffrey creepy, Epstein's huh? Island. That, 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 yeah. that, that Bill Clinton blue dress thing, that was creepy. That is weird. It is that, weird. The whole thing is weird. Like we, I know we like we we touched on like the the grossness of the the underbelly of that, but like there's a lot of just weirdness that that goes with some of the more upper echelon people. Like it, it's like this point zero zero one percent society psychosis, where like you are the top 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 percent of people, and it's like the only way you can feel to be a normal person is to do the most effed up stuff. Like, I think gotta, that's kind of where they are. You got to wonder how many people at that level are sociopaths. Oh, my God. I would dare say almost all of them. You have to be. Yeah. To, 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 be, to be willing to kind of just climb over so many people. I mean, you know. Oh, literally, though. The, the body count. that I mean, talk about, you know, presidents who've waged illegal wars that have led to the deaths of millions. Like, the body count that some of these people have, you got to be at least some degree of a, uh, I would think, you got to be some degree of a 
I always get these two things confused: sociopath, psychopath. Either way, they're, they're one of those. They're one of those. Both things. bad. And also, I mean, <laughs> hey, how about this? I, as a transition to our last topic, because that's kind of what's happened from a monetary policy in terms of our last topic. Because I've heard our, our current president, who's been going off saying that he could just go and change inflation uh, on a dime by having you know different monetary policy change or having the treasury do certain things or. You know, the brand new bills are going to be passed in Congress. The build back better. It'll make everything better and inflation will be under control. And Yeah, we're going to control in space, mirrors, right? inflation by spending more money, apparently. Yeah. Magic. Don't you have a magic yeah. money tree, too? Well, first of all, Brian, I got to compliment you on 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 helping to keep us on track. Because I got you. I got <laughs> you. I'll just I wander off. We'll talk, about, we'll talk about anything. I see that clock ticking. Um, but... <laughs> But yeah, no, this is the other big story, right? Libertarians, particularly the Ron Paul branch of the libertarian movement has been warning about inflation for the last decade and a half. Yep. I mean, Ron Paul's been warning about about it since 2008. The Federal Reserve has just gotten more and more. um, What's the word I'm looking for? They've thrown caution to the wind. They've printed trillions of dollars, pumped it into the economy. Handed it out to uh, Congress, who then hands it out to their government, you know, special interests. And of course, that's not even counting uh, all the money that's just gone, you know, gone into the economy from through the banking system itself. And we've been warning about this inflation. The inflation is here. Seven percent inflation we're seeing right now. I still think that's low for what could be coming. So I guess back to the original set of questions. How do you think libertarians have been doing on messaging on the inflation crisis? What could libertarians do better? And is this inflation going to continue in 2022 or is it going to be transitory? <laughs> the last part, I laugh because I'll answer that because it's the easiest one. Uh, no, it is not transitory. Yes, it will carry through 2022. Um, but back to the the first part, how have libertarians done on the inflation issue? We have, we have again, just like the vaccine issue, been consistently correct. Um, this is you know Ron Paul. Ron Paul was right again. Going back from the beginning, this is why it's so important to speak about these issues. However, where we can do better is we need to sometimes remove ourselves from the economic talk, the economic speak, and talk to people like normal people. Um, instead of trying to force fit an economic conversation into a conversation that's just happening. Find opportunities to turn a conversation that you're already having where the context of the conversation permits it to then bring in a conversation about inflation from a libertarian perspective. That's an opportunity for you to then actually have somebody who's open to your, your conversation, open to your, 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 it's really a solution, your, your different take to what's been happening and what they've been presented as the option A, option B, it may be the option C, right? And let's give them a real option C. And, and it again, goes back to the importance of having the treasure trove of things that we can point to, to say, Hey, not only are we confident we're right, we actually have like us on record for decades showing that we're right. So I, I think we've done well. We can do better. We will do better. Um, but it starts with us almost, <laughs> almost, and I'm not saying this to be demeaning, but like we have to dumb it down sometimes. Yeah. We know so much about the stuff we know, right? Like go, go talk to an average libertarian about economics 
and you can have a pretty high level conversation, right? Like my buddy Dorian, he's an economist. Him and I can go sit down, have a high level conversation. My wife and his wife, though, sitting, you know, over next to us, if they were to listen in, they would just be like, they are talking like freaking Martians and and they'd be right. But we have to remember that there's more people out there like them than there is my buddy Dorian and I. And we have to remember that in order for them to pay attention to us, we have to then speak their language. Right. Um, and, and if we can speak their language and make it real, then we'll have more success in actually getting them to care about our solutions. You know, I've always tried to remind people in politics that by nature of us being in politics, the kinds of people who talk about politics, focus on politics, obsess about politics even, we're the strange people. Well, we absolutely <laughs> we are not are. <laughs> normal. Normal people are just worried about, you know, day to day, putting food on the table, taking care of their families. They got a lot to worry about. And and not everyone, not everyone. It takes a lot of work and a lot of time to be as familiar with politics and economics as much as someone like you know Brian and I are. And not everyone can do that. I mean, other people are better at other things <laughs> that I'm not good at. So you know, no judgment there. Um, but we do need to, I think, Brian, I think you're absolutely right. We need to connect with people on, on, on a level that they're, that they're able to hear. Um, you got to speak their language. Someone who I think has done a very good job of this is Tucker Carlson. I've been listening to Tucker Carlson and I know people like, or don't like Tucker Carlson. I think Tucker Carlson is hit or miss, but when he hits, boy, does he hit. And, uh, especially he's been great on the wars and he's been great on hitting inflation. You know, he talks about inflation. He doesn't talk about, well, there's 7% inflation. No, no, no. He drills down into specific things like lumber. Yeah, you're building, anyone wants to build a new house? It's 30% more expensive. Gas is, you know, 50% more expensive. Like he drills down into the exact things that people are like, yeah, that's part of my budget. These are things yep. that I need. These are regular everyday goods. And and frankly, when you hear that, that that's, 50%, uh, it's gone up 50% uh, versus just the 7% CPI that's kind of a manipulated number. It, it actually, it, it actually it makes it hits, real. It makes it real to people. And yep. that's the hard thing. And that's that's been the trick for the inflationists is that inflation doesn't seem real. It's just this, this, this silent tax. You just pay a little bit every single year without knowing it. You, it's hard to measure in, in a real sense because you know, the same amount of dollars are in your bank account as you left them there. They just buy a lot less. It's it's this is why it's been so attractive to the politicians. People don't like paying taxes and people can look at the size of the national debt and say, well, that looks pretty big. I don't like that. But when they just print the money and inflate the currency, it's harder for people to notice exactly what's going on. But you're being swindled one way or the other. And, you know, we got to do the job of letting people know that whether it's by by tax or by debt or by them just robbing the value of your savings account. The government's coming for your money and we need to fight back. Amen. And and also show them solutions of where to put their money instead, right? And and help go out there and build those solutions. If you're in the crypto Absolutely. world, keep building those crypto solutions. Like that that is where people are looking for alternatives and it's on us to make sure we have it there. And honestly, like if it were not for the crypto community, you a decade plus back going out of their way to start this, you know, this little domino starting off to, to lead to the avalanche we have today. We wouldn't really have a, a chance to stand up against an entire 
economic system that's been perpetuated by a federal reserve. I mean, think about that, that we literally have our own currencies ready to go in the event that we wanted to, to like separate from this existing monetary system that that's yeah. entirely due to the ingenuity of people just like you and me and the people who are listening to this podcast. So, I mean, it takes us, you know, into 2022, like empower others, empower yourself to go start being the change. If you have an idea of how to make things better to solve a problem that's out there, like go be the change, go make that solution, go show people the, the, the value you can bring and, and show them how it can help solve the problems that we see out there. Like that's where people are looking for right now. People are looking for the problem solvers, be, be the problem solver, be the helper. Um, and, and it just, it will inspire people to do the same. Absolutely. And since we are talking about cryptocurrencies and talking about these alternatives to, to the dollar, which is losing its value rapidly, you know, I just, uh, completed an op-ed, which is being published today at the Washington Examiner, about ten years into the Ron, uh, you know, this new year we're going into marks ten years since the Ron Paul's last campaign for president. I just think about all the people uh, who w went to Ron uh, in the aftermath of all that and said, "What should I do? How can I make a difference? Tell me what to do, Ron." And Ron, Ron's not a central planner. He just said, "I don't know. You got to figure <laughs> it out for yourself." There's there's something out there for you. And so people went out and did it. Some people went the political path like me. I you know, ran for office or helped people get elected to office, pa you know, passed a lot of great policies. But some people went a non-political route. They pioneered cryptocurrency that, you know, Ron Paul talked about ending the Federal Reserve. Oh, my. Like these guys might actually do it. Even yep. Hillary Clinton is now talking about how Bitcoin is a potential existential threat to the U.S. dollar status as the global reserve currency of the world. Great. Like this is the power of just liberty people just going out, doing it, building a better system. Don't don't just rely on the established authorities. Go and build your own thing. And if like, you know, if we can't end the Fed through policy, if we can't get Congress to end the Fed, that's never going to happen. You can end it through sheer competition. And bingo. God love him. Our, yep. our the liberty movement's doing that. <laughs> if not for us, then then who else out there would be? The annoying proverbial thorn in the side of the status quo establishment. Go us. Go us. <laughs> so 2022, hopefully it's the year of us, the year of liberty, <laughs> the year of beating back the tyrants, ending the COVID regime, ending the Federal Reserve and uh, and keeping us out of wars. Eric, so, I feel I, I, like genuinely I'm not trying to just, you know, be optimistic for the sake of being optimistic. I know I get I get attacked quite a bit for being too optimistic quite often, but I'm, I'm not, I'm not being overtly optimistic here. You're no baghead, Bob. I am not. I know. Um, <laughs> 20, 2022, uh, 2022. I genuinely believe that this year will be a year truly of Liberty. I think you're going to see your average person starting to like truly wake up and when they are looking for alternatives, starting to embrace radically different and new solutions that people have overtly avoided in the past. Reason being is that the GOP, as well as the Democratic Party, and especially the Democratic Party right now, have burned bridges. They've burned trust. And where we have an opportunity is for the people who are looking for something beyond those two existing solutions, because even even though we don't want to make changes in life, we, we like to embrace the status quo. Um, there do come points 
where we call them trigger events in sales, where somebody's willing to make a change. And and one of the trigger events is when you just get so burned, so screwed by your existing vendor that you're like, okay, it, it's time for a change. That's now. Like there are people who have been buying hook, line, and sinker, the left and right talking points for, in many cases, their entire lives. And they're looking right now for the alternatives. So let's, let's instead of going out and hunting down people we think should be paying attention to us, let's instead start to, to openly embrace and speak to those actively looking right now. And I'm going to challenge people as they, they listen to this show and we go into next year is to be the person who's there, who's willing to answer questions. Be the person who's not going out of the way to to pick fights and win arguments. Be the person who, you know, you, you go to the school event and you have, you know, you're, you're sitting next to somebody and they start talking about a current event and you you hear the opportunity. You, you, you can bring in the libertarian idea, right? But do so by asking questions that you know will incentivize them to keep wanting to have the conversation that will pique genuine interest, right? And then, then... Don't even feel that you have the opportunity to, to offer a solution. Then try to uncover if there's first a problem that you can help solve, right? You have to have them be in that open like kind of mentality of being willing to make that switch. And that's where we can have the opportunity to, to win people over in masses. Because 2022, if, if what the, the Democratic Party has been doing over the past year keeps it up, there are going to be millions of people who are going to be leaving that party in mass just like we saw happen in 2016 after the election of Donald Trump. So the white pill, it's there. Be optimistic. Um, but if you're in the liberty movement, it starts with us. So be the change um, and go out there. And, and obviously for 2022, be great. Yeah. Well, and I am always a proponent of optimism. I think even when times are darkest, it's always, what's that old corny saying? It's always darkest before the dawn, right? There it is. Um, you know, uh, cheese alert. I apologize. <laughs> But truth be told, but truthfully, I have never seen, I mean, as, as tyrannical as these times have been, as terrible as the D.C. establishment has been through the Trump years, you know, with Russiagate and just basically the intelligence community just abusing their power, lying to the American public, manipulating the media, manipulating our elections down to the COVID regime now and everything we've been through. I look at this as these do not seem like people who feel secure no. in their hold on power. Absolutely so not. They are behaving erratically, desperately. And in some sense, the more tyrannical it gets, I feel like we are closer to winning because it they they don't like using hard tyranny because hard tyranny exposes them. It lets people see what exactly is their real true nature. And once the people realize the true nature of this government, the true nature of these, particularly the unelected officials, the ones who we don't get to hold accountable at the ballot box, once people open their eyes to that, they don't tend to close their eyes to it. And I think we are reaching a critical mass. We've been through some crazy times. I think that we're going to see a huge backlash in 2022 in the midterm elections. 
I predict with extreme confidence that Young Americans for Liberty will surpass its goal of 250 legislators elected in state capitals across the country uh, this this upcoming November. I predict that we will see constitutional carry by the end of the year. I predict we'll see it. We're up to like 22 states now. I think we'll have half the states in the country with wow. constitutional carry by by the end of of uh, uh, 2022. So 25, I'm going to predict. Um, and and that will only be the beginning, because when we have these big sweeps in the midterms, when we get liberty candidates elected, because, again, it doesn't do us anything if we just get more Mitch McConnell's. No, we need more Thomas Massey's and Rand Paul's and we need them at the state level, which is accessible to anyone and everyone who just wants to make a difference. You don't have to be a, a millionaire to run for state your state legislator legislature. Um, regular people can do it. You just need some shoe leather. You need to go out and knock doors. So. Um, I, I'm, I think that 2022 is going to be a big year for beating back the tyrants. I'm looking forward to it and I'm ready to jump full feet force, full, full, full feet forward. I don't know. Full. F- anyway, I'm ready to jump You're into excited. the new year. I am excited <laughs> for 2022. Eric, as am I, my friend, and I think one of the, the, the best things I can say, you know, in terms of what I'm looking for I'm not just looking forward to, but I'm also, I'm excited about the way we've been doing this as a greater Liberty movement is the way that we've been able to have these conversations with people that the past five years from when I really got involved from like a really just like nuts and bolts level with the Liberty movement to where we are today, we've gone away from the old, you know, trying to convince people that libertarianism is, is right. (laughs) You know, trying to convince them that they need to be libertarian and instead have have really started to go more on these issues and focus on those those specific niches and having success in winning those niches. If it's not for people like Corey DeAngelis going out and knocking it out of the park every single time he speaks about school choice, if it wasn't for people like Scott Horton going out and just blowing the socks off people like Bill Kristol in debates on foreign policy and, and speaking truth, to what's been going on in our foreign policy for how many decades at this point? It's it's people like like that that we need to be speaking more to. It's it's people like over the the follow the science uh, on li- lockdowns and liberty docu series who are interviewing noted people from across the anti lockdown anti mandate uh, groups of people out there who are fighting the good fight, standing against these different tyrannical government responses to the COVID pandemic, and now. Uh, fingers crossed, COVID endemic, it seems like, um, you know, we need more people who are willing to, to stand up, focus on those specific issues that people do care about. And in this area, vaccine mandates, the Afghanistan withdrawal and inflation, I still believe vaccine mandates will be the top issue people are going to be talking about in 2022. So make sure that when we're talking about it, we're doing so from a, a place of empathy, you know, I know people don't like the word empathy because uh, it, it feels icky and, you know, emotions, but people are afraid. People have been uh, really hyper, uh, you know, hyper radicalized almost to become hyper uh, hypochondriacs. And, and we need to almost nurture them back to normalcy. <laughs> and people will sound. not people will not listen to you if they no. do not know first that you actually care. Bingo. It's, yep. It's it's like it's a rule of politics. Yep. Like. Nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. Rule of sales too, my friend. 
Yeah, you got to you got to start with empathizing with that person, establishing some common ground that you hear where they're coming from, that you're genuinely concerned about the things that they're concerned about and you'd like to help them. Eric here. I'm gonna, you know, what? I'll give you a quick 2-minute story. Um and is a real life example of how this works in real life, and especially in the sales world. So, back when I had first started out in uh, my sales role back uh, you know, number of years ago, I, I shadowed top sales guy at my company. And one of the things I wanted to do was really learn, you know, what, what's, what's this guy doing that he's just knocking his number out of the park every single month. So one of the things he would do is he would not only do traditional cold calling and such, but he would also go out, knock on doors, go and actually visit these, you know, in this world, it's business technology. So telecommunications infrastructure, um, WAN infrastructure, cybersecurity solutions. And I was with him this one time he'd met with this guy and uh, this guy brought us in. We're having a conversation with him learning all about his his company and stuff. And, and as we're going through, you know, I can see that my my rep that I'm shadowing, he's really getting the guy excited. He, he's, you know, showing interest. And then the guy's like, hey, you want to see our, you must see our facility really quick? And he starts giving us a tour around his building. And we go through and, and my rep's point is like, oh, that's that's a really nice, uh, you know, name the product, whatever it may be, like nice, nice router, nice uh, SD-WAN uh, switch, whatever it may be. And we're going through and then he gets to this one part where the phone system was and he goes, now that is a piece of crap. <laughs> and the guy goes, yeah, it is. It's been on my list. And, and right there, I was like, how do you do that? Like, how, how did he get to the point where basically he got the guy to acknowledge that his phone system was a piece of crap, but, and then it hit me. He did it because everything else, he had been empathetic with the guy in terms of understanding where that guy was at, what he found important, right. was able to point out the things that he was doing well, where he knew he'd be appreciative of that, but then find an area where he knew that for sure there's a definite problem point, and then in, in a tongue-in-cheek way, help show the guy that we could help lead him to a better solution forward. So if you show somebody that you care about them and that you care about their overall uh, well-being, not just as a company and for your commission, but that you want to see them actually be successful as a person, they're going to be more likely than not to actually sit down and want to do business with you, not just once, but many times over. And then they'll be a referral partner for, for life. They'll send you business of other people. In the world of politics, that's people saying, hey, I used to be insert here, Democrat, Republican, Libertarian, and I got them to believe in XYZ based on my brand new epiphany in life, right? Here's how it happened. There's more stories out there like that. Let's tell more of those stories. As much as we would like to believe that human beings are purely rational creatures and that we make <laughs> our decisions on the basis of logic and argument. Negative. Um, you know, maybe there's some components of logic and argument of uh, reason sometimes, but but more than anything, I find that we are tribal creatures. And if you want to persuade someone, if you want to win someone over, the first thing you have to establish is that you're on the same team. You're 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 in the same tribe that you want. And so establishing that common ground, you know, to state it another way, which is this was some advice that was given to me by a teacher when I was in high school. And I and it's brilliant advice. I pass it on all the time. You will make more friends in five minutes by taking a genuine interest in other people than you will in a lifetime trying to get other people interested in you. I like it. I like it. That, that should be like a mic drop right there, Eric, for the episode. All right. Well, I would drop the mic, but it's a pretty expensive mic. I don't want to say that's it. a nice sure mic. You don't want to drop that. It is. It is. Well, all right. We're over on time, which is fine. This is our New Year's episode. We can yeah. go over. You know, we're yeah, having a good I'm, conversation. Drinking our beverages here. It's a great. Great day. Yeah. 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 Uh, any, uh, any final thoughts you want to share? Um, I would challenge people 
2022 to find something that you are uncomfortable in doing, specifically in the world of, of reaching out to others, trying new things. And get comfortable with being uncomfortable in in approaching that. Try to do something that you usually wouldn't want to do and, and try to get better at it. Because if you're trying to sell somebody on change, because at the end of the day, when you're selling anything in life, you're selling change, selling a product, a service, yourself, an idea, you're, you're selling somebody from going from where they are to where they're going to be. And when you're selling that change, you yourself need to know how it feels to change if you expect somebody else to change. So I challenge you, go out of your way, find something that you can change and get better at, right? Something that you're weak at, something that you've always wanted to learn. And it's going to be tough, but you're going to find the value of getting better at it because then it'll help you when you're asking other people to go out and change themselves. Um, but other than that, though, I think that would be uh, that beyond that. Um, Please just be be nice to each other. Um, people are always facing battles you know nothing about. So I say be kind always and uh, surround yourself with, with good people. Um, good people bring out the good in people. So try to surround yourself with good people always. Awesome. And I want to give a challenge to the audience for a New Year's resolution they should make to make some change, which is if they are not yet subscribed to the Free America Now podcast, they need to change their status from unsubscribe to subscribe by subscribing on any of the major podcasting apps that we're on. You can even subscribe now on like the YAL Facebook page. Facebook lets you put up uh, uh, the, these podcasts now so you can subscribe there. And, you know, of course, that's just the people who are listening to this through the Free America Now podcast stream. If you're listening through the Brian Nichols show. Well, of course you want to subscribe to the Brian Nichols show. If you haven't, I don't know why you wouldn't have done that already, but you want to come over and you want to visit what we got over on free America. Now you want to subscribe over there. We're releasing episodes Monday through Friday with great guests like Brian Nichols, who's one of our most frequent, uh, one of our most frequent, uh, <laughs> I would, I don't even want to call you a guest. Whenever we do it, it's more like your co-host. We had some fun. We had some fun. And I was just listening. You, um, you, you, you had, is it Dan McKnight was just on, right? Yeah, Dan McKnight was just on. That's right. Yeah, That's right. I just we saw were talking yeah, about he's... Defend the Guard. Yep, Dan McKnight. You had Spike Cohen on the past. I was actually just listening to uh, the re-air you had there with Spike. Um, you're, you're doing great stuff, Eric, and, and I cannot thank you enough for not only allowing me to to harass you and your amazing group over at Young Americans for Liberty, but also wanted to thank you for all the work you've been doing personally and helping help free America, dude. Um, because yeah. right now, a lot of people are looking for some options out there, and like we talked about today, they're looking for people more in that state and local area where they can like actually feel like they trust people. Um, and that's where people like you have been fighting the good fight, especially Young Americans for Liberty. So thank you for that. Thank you for um, that. And then also next year, I'm excited to see what you guys have in store. You're, I mean, 250, let's say, I think 300. I think you guys can do 300 seats. Easy. Well, I... I don't want to commit young Americans for liberty to any to any numbers that I have not discussed with 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 others. Internal uh, but, teams going like three hundred. <laughs> what? You know, forget it. We're going for a thousand. <laughs> it's like, whoa, Eric. Let's just walk it back there. But set the bar Eric, low. Eric comes in as Leonardo DiCaprio in Wolf of Wall Street, and he just like starts <laughs> smashing the microphone in his head. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, but it, no, it's it's going to be exciting here, Brian. I do want to say, you know. The, the the Free America Now podcast has really exploded. And I do want to say thank you to you because 
I had no idea what I was doing when I was really getting started with all this. And you were the person who I would go to and say, Brian, how, how do you do this whole podcasting thing? I just had basic rudimentary questions, but people are like people in the podcasting world. People tend to be really like people tend to like guard their like secret formulas. You know, it's like, uh, or Which I've never especially, understood. <laughs> well, and especially like the hardest thing in the world to find out is like, download numbers like what is this person getting for like numbers of what's that person get for now everyone guards it very closely uh so it's like you got no frame of reference to know how you're doing so anyway you've been incredibly helpful to me brian and you're always welcome on the show appreciate my friend and uh by the way uh if folks are ever interested i know you mentioned there eric if they want to go ahead and uh, subscribe to the show Go ahead and do that. But also, um, you can find me anywhere on social media at B Nichols Liberty and then the Brian Nichols Show website, BrianNicholsShow.com. Um, I have my morning sales huddle every morning uh, around like six or so in the morning. I send out an email uh, where it's it's literally what I sit down with my sales team and do every single day where we'll talk about um, what you can do to be a better salesperson. Um, and it's usually what you can do to be a better person. And and that's something we're, we're discovering i think across the board in the world of politics and the world of sales is that you can't you can't convince somebody else to make a change in life or make a change in business unless you yourself are the best version of yourself um so that means personal development it means focusing on your skills it means being intelligent in what you're selling or the services that you're providing um so yeah if if people want to learn more it's at the Brian Nichols show uh, BrianNicholsShow.com. You can sign up right there. Just need your first name, an email address, and then five days a week, morning sales huddle, Monday through Friday in your inbox. But with that being said, though, Eric Brakey, I appreciate this. Uh, whose show is it anyways? Free America Now, Brian Nichols Show crossover. Uh, crossover. It's it's always a blast. Always will yeah. be a blast. And I, I can't wait to see what 2022 will bring us. You know, I, these shows are even better than when the Jetsons met the Flintstones. I just got to say it, so... <laughs> Hey, as, uh, lo- as long as I get to be uh, Fred, <laughs> right? Fred Flintstone, the, you, you can be, yeah, uh, well, who do you want to be? Who, you want to be uh, George Jetson? Oh, yeah, I'll be the Jetsons. Yeah, th- okay. That seems like an easy life. You go to work, you press a button, you know, it's, it's, you know. Hey, I pick things up and put things down for fun in the mornings versus what he, the cavemen <laughs> did fly, it to live. Flying car versus a car you gotta like, you gotta like run it with your feet. Constant leg day. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. I guess so. It pays off in the end, I guess. I mean, I guess the Jetsons, even they're on those like automated sidewalks. Their 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 leg muscles must be like nothing. They don't even use them for walking. They're one step away from Wally, man. <laughs> well, all right. Well, geez, we keep going on. Uh, let's let's end it there before we end up spend another <laughs> hour just going back and forth. Uh, Brian, thank you so much. Um, uh, I since uh, whose show is it anyway? But I'm going to take the privilege of being the one to sign off, if that's all right with you. Please feel free, uh, my friend. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for joining us. Furthermore, my opinion is the Federal Reserve should be destroyed. Talk with you all in 2022. Happy New Year. Thanks for listening to The Brian Nichols Show. Find more episodes at briannicholsshow.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe. Want to help us reach more people? Give the show a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe, too. Find us at BrianNicholsShow.com and download the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow me on social media at BNicholsLiberty and consider donating to the show at BrianNicholsShow.com forward slash support. The Brian Nichols Show is supported by viewers like you. Thank you to our patrons, Daryl Schmitz, Laura Stanley, Michael Lima, Mitchell Mankiewicz, Cody Johns, Craig DaCosta, and the We Are Libertarians Network. 
trust the experts. We're all in this together. If it saves one life, raise your hand if you heard any of those tiresome phrases over the past year and a half. I know my hand is currently raised. Millions of people across dozens of industries were labeled unessential and forced to lock down with livelihoods and futures crushed in an instant. And as government has continued to expand its power and leverage fear to turn neighbor against neighbor, a group of filmmakers have taken a stand and are determined to help set the record straight on the importance of following the actual science of the pandemic. Follow the science on lockdowns and liberty from the Sound Mind Creative Group is a brand new docu-series highlighting the stories of those negatively impacted over the past year and a half by ineffective government policies enacted in the name of following the science. With noted experts like Nick Hudson from Panda, the pandemic data and analytics organization, healthcare policy advisors like Scott Atlas, and telling the stories of business owners, families, and just your average everyday person harmed by these government mandates. Follow the science on lockdowns and liberty is giving us a chance to make sure the true stories of the pandemic are told. So please help us at the Brian Nichols Show in supporting the Sound Mind Creative Group. With noted figures in the liberty movement like Dr. Tom Woods donating thousands of their own dollars to this project, you know just how important this project is. So head to briannicholsshow.com forward slash follow the science to donate and catch their brand new trailer to the docuseries one more time. That's briannicholsshow.com forward slash follow the science. But seriously, destroy the Federal Reserve. Do it.